Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be out with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Wednesday, May the 18th, 2022, we have a lot to catch you up on in the news. Praise be to God, we're going to be doing that today. Uh, but here's a question, what is, the com- what is the link between abortion and uh, the sexual revolution, the quote, gay marriage, unquote? Well, to answer that question, George Newmeyer from the American Spectator is going to join us at 35 past the hour. Abortion, the unholy sacrament of the sexual revolution, was one of his latest articles. We're going to get his take on that coming up in the guest segment. But uh, guess what? Migrant encounters are at an all-time high on our southern border. There's that. The Ukraine Azov Battalion, you know, the Nazi battalion that we fund with our tax dollars, well, they just surrendered to the Russians in, in Mariupol. The Twitter engineers caught on camera saying that they are very much communists and censors at the Twitters. Uh, duh. Duh comes to mind. I don't know. And then a senior German priest, yeah, a senior German priest has announced that he is no longer Catholic. Let that sink in. He was a senior. In fact, he ran the diocese for some time, and he is now no longer Catholic. I'll talk about that coming up at 15 past the hour. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Hey, I need you to stay Catholic for the rest of this hour. Well, this is is the day the Lord has made, so I shall rejoice and be glad in it, because being Catholic is awesome, and you should never apostatize. Never. 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 Don't do it. In spite of how hard it is? In spite of it all. The difficulties? Despite the image that I posted in our private Telegram (laughs) chat that says, give up when things get really hard. (laughs) That was Arnold Schwarzenegger. You can just imagine. Give up! Go back! (laughs) It's hard! Don't do it! Well, anyway, speaking of hard, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Are you going to give up today? Uh, no, nope. I am actually uh, very tired, but I am still here. Praise <laughs> be to God. Tired. I went to the uh, talk last night with Mr. Julio. How'd it go? It was amazing. Mr. Julio just like knocked it out of the park. I had great. Two of the, of the sisters... Uh, from the uh, Dominican sisters in Houston actually were there. I was very oh, cool. happy to see them. Yeah. And uh, Mr. Julio just absolutely crushed it. I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't wait. They recorded it, so mm-hmm. hopefully they post mm-hmm. a video version of it so that way I can share it with everyone. Yeah. But it was excellent. I can't speak highly enough of them. And I bought like three copies so I can give them away. <laughs> so it, it's great. His, I love it. His book arrived at my desk Right after we finished interviewing him. <laughs> it was funny. Uh, Tim, our GM in Houston, he walks in, and he looks at a package he has in his hands and looks at the guys. He goes, TFP. <laughs> so it's very good. So praise be to God. I was glad. Yeah, but I went to bed at like midnight. So You're young. You'll sleep when you're dead or old. One of the two. Or Whichever, I will Whichever die because I'm a lack of sleep. One or the other. <laughs> no, stop it. Come on. A man of your vintage, you could go at least three, four days. <laughs> Without, without needing sleep. At any rate, we're going to have a great show this hour. A lot of uh, news to catch up on in the, in the headlines coming your way in just a moment. Plus, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day with a great reflection. Praise be to Jesus. And then, as I said, we have some concerning stories to share with you at 15 past on our What's Concerning Us. And George Newmeyer from the American Spectator will be our guest this hour. All coming up this hour. In the next, 
We still have our game show, Fear and Trembling, with prizes at stake. You could win prizes. Speaking of prizes, guess who I heard from yesterday? Who? Amber Carey. Oh. She sent an email last night with the brand new picture of her brand new Hagard watch. And it's quite lovely. It is quite lovely. So uh, That's great. Maybe in the after show, which is at the second half of the second hour of Catholic Drive Time, I will uh, put a picture up on the live video feed to, to uh, nice. show the incredible, uh, beautiful watch that Amber Carey just won, courtesy of Agard Watches, and our good friend Mike Koeniger came together to give out that prize. So congratulations once again, Amber Carey. All right, let's pray. Let's uh, dive into this hour. Do us a favor, though. Share us with a friend. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy. Hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Wednesday, May 18th, and here's your news roundup. The Hill reports China Eastern crash investigation indicates intentional nosedive. The airliner crashed on its way from Kunming, China to Guangzhou with reports saying that it seemed to launch into a descent at an almost vertical angle. Officials recovered instruments from the Boeing 737 to collect data on commands used during the flight. Sources say that the inputs used one black box just before no the nose dive indicated that commands for the crash were intentional. During the descent of the plane, Chinese officials were apparently unable to connect with the pilots over cockpit microphones. The AP reports judge suspends Michigan's dormant 1931 abortion ban. A judge on Tuesday suspended Michigan's dormant decades-old abortion ban, which means the procedure would not be illegal in the state even if the Supreme Court overturns the historic Roe v. Wade decision. The Michigan law, which makes it a crime to assist in an abortion, has been on the books since 1931, but had no practical effect since 1973 when the Supreme Court legalized abortion nationwide. Reuters reports Fed's Powell vows to raise rates as high as needed to kill inflation surge. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell on Tuesday pledged that the U.S. Central Bank would ratchet interest rates as high as needed to kill a surge in inflation that he said threatened the foundation of the economy. Acknowledging the possible pain that controlling inflation might cause in terms of slower economic growth or higher unemployment, Powell said that there are pathways for the pace of price hikes to ease without a full-blown recession. But that if inflation does not fall, Powell said the Fed would not flinch from rising rates until it does. Justin News reports Senate to vote on Ukrainian aid package despite Rand Paul's protests. While he sympathizes with Ukrainians, Rand stressed, All I requested for in the amendment was to, he said rather, All I requested is for an amendment to be included in the final bill. That allows for the Inspector General to oversee how funds are spent. Anyone who is opposed to this is irresponsible. The amendment would have um, uh, expanded the oversight of the Inspector General for Afghanistan to also include Ukraine. President Joe Biden's withdrawal in August from the Islamic Emirate resulted in the Taliban acquiring a plethora of American military equipment, while at least 19 billion U.S. tax dollars went to wasted reconstruction efforts. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is St. Eric the Ninth of Sweden. Eric the Holy, or Eric the Saint, was acknowledged king in most provinces of Sweden in 1150, and his family line subsisted for a hundred years. 
He did much to establish Christianity in Upper Sweden and built or completed in at Old Uppsala, the first large church to be erected in the country. It is said that all the ancient laws and constitutions of the kingdom were, by his order, collected into one volume, which came to be known as King Eric's Law, or the Code of Uppland. The king soon had to take up, the, take up arms against the heathen Finns. He vanquished them in battle, and at his desire, St. Henry, Bishop of Uppsala, who had accompanied him on the expedition, remained in Finland to evangelize the people. The king's zeal for the Catholic faith was far from pleasing to his nobles, who were told that they, that they entered into a conspiracy against him with Magnus, the son of the king of Denmark. King Eric was hearing Mass on the day after the Feast of the Ascension, which, when news was brought that a Danish army, swollen with Swedish rebels, was marching against him, it was close at hand. With unwavering calm, he answered, let us at least finish the sacrifice. The rest, the feast, I shall keep elsewhere. After Mass was over, he recommended his soul to God and marched forth in advance of his guards. The conspirators rushed upon him, beat him down from his horse, and beheaded him. His death occurred on May 18, 1161. The relics of St. Eric IX of Sweden are preserved in the Cathedral of Uppsala, and the saintly king's effigy appears on the coat of arms of the city of Stockholm. St. Eric IX of Sweden, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. Jesus said to his disciples, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He takes away every branch in me that does not bear fruit, and every one that does, he prunes, so that, it, so that it will bear more fruit. You are already pruned because of the word that I spoke to you. Remain in me, as I remain in you. Just as the branches cannot bear fruit on its own, unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever remains in me, and I in him, will bear much fruit, because without me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me will be thrown out like a branch and wither. People will gather them and throw them into a fire, and they will be burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you want, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Once saved, always saved? Then why does our Lord say repeatedly, just in this very short passage, Remain, please, remain in me. Remain. Please, pretty please, Uber pretty please, don't, don't, don't leave, come stay, hang out. I mean, let's get the message here that if we are going to be saved, it's not a one and done thing. It is working out our salvation in fear and in trembling, as St. Paul would say. St. Augustine says these conditional expressions, if you remain in the vine, if you keep my commandments, give us to understand that our perseverance and salvation are upon condition to be fulfilled by us, close quote, St. Augustine.
Haydock's commentary goes on to say, quote, If we abide in Christ by a lively faith, and his words abide in us by a lively, ardent charity, which can make us produce the fruits of good works, all that we ask will be granted us. Close quote. Haydock's commentary. St. Augustine goes on to say, so far, so far as we abide in the Savior, we can, cannot will anything that is foreign to our salvation. Let me say that again. So far as we abide in the Savior, we cannot will anything that is foreign to our salvation. We have one will in so far as we are one in Christ, another in so far as we are one in this world. Close quote. St. Augustine. Again, a repetitive theme throughout John's Gospel. Choose! Do you want to be a part of this world, or do you want to be a part of eternity with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? The only way to the Father and to that eternity. But there is a warning here, and Ignatius Catholic Commentary brought this up, and I think it's so important for us to remember these warnings, because so often we go through life and we become numb, callous, complacent, lazy, slothful even, when it comes to working out our salvation in fear and trembling. Ignatius Catholic Commentary points out, damnation awaits every branch that withers away from Christ and becomes worthless. <laughs> Do people go to hell? Yes, yes, our Lord makes this very clear. Quoting from Ezekiel, referencing Ezekiel here, Ezekiel chapter 15, verses 5 through 8. Behold, when it was whole, it was used for nothing. How much less when the fire has consumed it and it is charred? Can it ever be used for anything? Therefore, thus says the Lord, God, like the wood of the vine among the trees of the forest, which I have given to the fire for fuel, so will I give up the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and I will set my face against them. Though they escape from the fire, the fire shall yet consume them, and you will know that I am the Lord when I set my face against them, and I will make the land desolate because they have acted faithlessly, says the Lord God. Close quote. Ezekiel chapter 15, verses 5 through 8. God does not take, he gives. Alcuin makes this point today. He says, all the fruit of good works proceeds from this root. He who hath delivered us by his grace also carries us onward by his help so that we bring forth more fruit. All right, Joe. Well, golly gee This seems hard, almost impossible. No, it's not. Abide in Jesus. How does one abide? Oh, it's super simple. Live in a state of grace. That is how you abide in Christ and he in you. Live in a state of grace. Frequent reception of the sacraments. Confession and Holy Eucharist, the sacramentals, the prayer life. It's easy. Just do it. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. What's concerning us is coming up next. Men, it's time. The Men's March to End Abortion and Rally for Personhood is Saturday, June 11th, the weekend before Father's Day, from 12 to 3 p.m. in Tallahassee, Florida. Men gather at 12 p.m. for the march. All women, children, and families join us for the 2 p.m. rally at the Florida State Capitol. You are needed. Every life matters. Join us on June 11th in Tallahassee. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Atheists claim they don't need God to be a good person, implying God's not relevant to morality. But is this true? Well, atheists can be good in the sense of knowing behaviors that respect the goods of human nature and living accordingly. 
St. Paul acknowledges this natural moral law in Romans chapter 2. But this doesn't mean God is irrelevant when it comes to morality. And here's the reason. Besides God's grace being necessary to live the moral law perfectly and merit heaven, God is necessary for the law to be morally binding. How can the moral law be binding if there's no moral law giver behind it that surpasses human authority? The answer is, it can't. So, an atheist can follow the natural moral law, but only the theist is consistent in saying that such a law is morally obligatory. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be out with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Coming up at 35 past the hour, we're going to talk with uh, George Newmeyer from the American Spectator. He has an article out this past week called Abortion, the Unholy Sacrament of the Sexual Revolution. We're going to talk about uh, the link between the sexual revolution and abortion with George Newmar. Stick around for that. It's going to be a good conversation. But there are, as I say, lots of stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. You know, oftentimes here on the program, we talk a lot about the difficulties in the world around us, in the church, outside of the church, in society at whole. You know, and I think it's important to do so. Um, but the answer is never to quit. It's never to give up. It's never to walk away from Christ simply because Peter's faith may waver and or Judas may betray him. We never abandon Christ or his church because of the weeds among the wheat. Keep that in mind. Here's an article out of Catholic News Agency. The headline says, Senior German Priest Leaves Catholic Church. That's a pretty, that's a pretty hardcore headline. We've seen over the years, of course, in recent years, there was the guy in, in, down in Florida, he was sort of a, a popular priest. He ended up leaving the priesthood and left the church to become a Protestant in order to get married. And we, we've seen this on a few occasions, to be sure. And I've also seen some Catholics who are faithful Catholics, who love the church, are madly in love with the faith, but they're so scandalized by the scandals within the church, the abuse, the rot of the, some of the members of the body of Christ, and the cover-up of it, that they have walked away for Eastern Orthodoxy or some other branch. So this is also a scandal against the body of Christ. Let me read this article to you. It says, Spire, Germany, May 17th, 8:10 a.m. A senior German priest has announced that he is no longer Catholic, citing his disappointment over a lack of reforms in the church and admitting to having broken his promise of celibacy. Well, that's a key indicator, isn't it? A little red flag. That's a that's a, a sort of a symptom of something greater. Golly, you is. He's the one who gave his vow, his promise that he would remain celibate. It's not as though they they sprung that on him right before he was ordained. Oh yeah. Um. One last thing. Okay. Yeah. We're gonna go in there. Just one minute. Bishop's gonna lay his hands. You're gonna become a priest. It's gonna be great. Just one more little tiny thing we needed to mention here. Yeah. By the way, you can never get married. All right. Let's go, guys. Into the chapel. Everybody, come on now. That's not how it works. Everybody knows going into the deal that celibacy is a part of the life. Total abandonment. Eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of God. It's not a surprise. They aren't caught off guard by it. They had years to discern it. They had to be at peace with it before ordination. 
And Wait, he, you're saying that they don't get mm, to ordination mm, day, and then they mm, tell them, hey, by yeah, the way, yeah, yeah. you're going to have mm. to be celibate for the rest of your life. Yeah, no. Maybe in Germany. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, but most of the time? Can I, dare I say 99% of the time? They have like what? You're saying they have like nine 12, years? Some, nine 12, to 12 years 12 to years, figure this yeah. out? Yeah, I think it's huh. 12 years is the process, isn't it? Noted. Yeah. I mean, 12 years is not really enough time to make a decision like that, I suppose. But uh, maybe if it was like 12 and a half, that would be... Enough, I suppose. Anyway, the article goes on to say Andreas Sturm, the former vicar general of the Diocese of Speyer in southwestern Germany, made the announcement on May 13th, reported CNA uh, Deutsch, CNA's German language news partner, says Sturm, who is joining Germany's old Catholic community, said that he had, quote, lost hope and confidence over the years that the Roman Catholic Church can truly transform itself, close quote. Golly gee whiz, uh, Mr. Sturm, where at what point did you understand that the church needed to transform itself? Hmm, the bride of Christ. That's a very interesting thought. I'm not sure where you have gotten that. Article goes on to say, quote, at the same time, I experience how much hope is placed in ongoing processes such as the synodal way. But I'm no longer in a position to also proclaim and honestly and sincerely share that hope because I simply don't have it anymore, close quote. The former vicar general described the ordination of women to the priesthood as well as the, quote, abolition of compulsory celibacy, dealing with queer people, co-determination of the laity, blessing ceremonies for homosexuals and overall sexual morality in the church, close quote as the most important topics that he believed were not being addressed. <laughs> Have you read a headline about any of the German synodal path recently? Because they're embracing all of this stuff, and which is part of a greater, more massive scandal within the body of Christ, to be sure. So I'm not sure, like, is, I guess the Senate is not enough for him, I would argue. The article goes on to say, participants in the German synodal way have voted in favor of drafts te- draft text calling for same-sex blessings and changes to the catechism on homosexuality as well as women priests. Admitting in an interview to having broken the promise of celibacy, Sturm told the local newspaper that he had long doubted whether the Catholic Church was, quote, a good fit for me close quote, even in seminary as a pastor. That's an interesting point of view. You know, in many ways, I would have said the same thing many years ago before becoming Catholic, that I would have chosen the church that best fits me, my lifestyle, my worldview, until the time I had an encounter with Christ and I began to realize this ain't about me. I am not the center of the universe, nor am I uh, the vicar of Christ on earth, nor am I the high priest at the altar of the church of me. But rather, I am called to be a member of his church and his body, not the other way around. At any rate, the article goes on to say, quote, But in the office of Vicar General, it was easier for me to ponder these doubts and think about quitting, said Sturm, who led the Spire Diocese for several months during the prolonged absence of its bishop for health reasons. In a number of interviews with German newspapers, Sturm said that he was launching a book about his experience. The title of the publication, scheduled for release in June, is, quote, I have to get out of this church, with the subtitle, because I want to remain a human being. A vicar general speaks out. Sounds, sounds like a number one bestseller, I suppose. According to a press release by the publisher, Sturm said, quote, for me, there was only 
ever Roman Catholic Church and my life in it and with it. In the meantime, I have been asking myself for some time whether I am not also codependent, codependent on this church. This image with codependency came to my mind because people write to me over and over again, because of you, I am not leaving the church, but do I want to? Old Catholics belong to a movement originating primarily in the Netherlands, Germany, and Switzerland, consisting of Catholics who were excommunicated over their refusal to acknowledge papal authority in dogmatic matters following the First Vatican Council. In old Catholic communities, women can be ordained, remarriage after divorce is possible, and homosexual unions are blessed. Now, I didn't really know much about the old Catholic communities, so I looked it up this morning, and from one of their own bishops, I heard from his very mouth that they aren't there. They they claim the Catholic title, going back to uh, Christ Himself. You know, that's awfully convenient, but they admittedly place themselves somewhere between Roman Catholics. Eastern Orthodoxies, and the Anglicans. So basically, they pick and choose, not unlike, say, the Mormons have, or the Jehovah's Witnesses have, or others have. They pick and choose what they want. They want to have the smells and bells, like Roman Catholics. They want to claim Orthodoxy, like the Easterns. But then they want the liberalness of the Anglicans. And so they have invented their own version of things, and they call it the Old Catholic Community. Article goes on to say, Sturm is not the only prominent German Catholic figure to gravitate to the old Catholics. Another notable case is that of Anselm uh, Billigri, the former prior of the Bavarian Abbey of Anadex. The ex-Benedictine monk made headlines in Germany on May 17th over claims that Pope Francis had dismissed him for the, from the clerical state for reportedly conducting Catholic weddings and baptisms despite having left the church and joined the old Catholics in 2020. Not uncommon, I have to say. I've seen this many times over the past couple of decades. You know, former uh, deacons, for instance, who have left the, the ministry, who are really no longer Catholic, are still out there marrying people, baptizing people, and more. Uh, priests do this all the time. They set up their own private chapels. They do their own thing. It is not uncommon. You, ha- you do have to be very careful about these things. Um, so the article makes this clear that there are a number of people in this category who basically want a church to represent them and their worldview. And basically, even though they were taught the faith, I don't know how well their seminary formation went. I mean, it's arguable that their uh, seminary formation probably helped to lead to these types of conclusions, this type of train wreck in their life and in the church itself in, in Germany. Because a solid formation doesn't lead to this. Because as our Lord says in the gospel today, um, you know, unless you bear much fruit, you're going to be chopped down and tossed into the fire for burning. That was made very clear. Unless you remain in me, you know, you're going to be lost. And when you leave the church, you're not remaining in him. And it's a very sad and very tragic situation. One I think we're going to see more of. And yet I'm reminded of the other German um, who said once that the church will have to get smaller. We may have to cut the fat and shrink down, be less of a powerhouse in the world around us. And that may have to be the way it goes. <clears throat> and I'm not, uh, and I'm also reminded of a, of a guy who I felt was incredibly heroic Catholic. And I had the very fortunate blessing of working with him, Deacon Greg Hall. And one month prior to his passing of cancer, 
I was praying with him in his hospital room, and he said the same thing to me. He said the church is going to shrink. The church is going to get smaller. The scandals are going to cause many to walk away. And in some ways, I think that could be good. I've said this for a number of, of years now. It's one thing that's always made confused me about these issues of so many Catholics who just embrace these far-left principles, the world, the flesh, and the devil. They want the sexual revolution. They want marriage to be redefined. They want all of this crazy insanity, abortion. They want the whole thing. Well, that exists in the Anglican community. That exists in many flavors of Protestantism. So why remain in the Catholic Church if you aren't Catholic anyway? Why do you insist that the Church change her teaching to fit your worldview when you can have all you want? You can have it uh, your way. Was that, was that Burger King? Have it your way? Yeah. Yeah. The same people who you co-opted the Lord's words to sell vegan burgers during... Holy Week. In Spain. In, <laughs> in Catholic Spain? Yeah. Yeah. That worked out, didn't it? Uh, you know, it, so it just boggles the mind. Well, maybe finally this German priest decided, you know what? You're right, Joe. Why stay? Why stay when I can have it my way anywhere else? So in some ways, I think it's good because it would be great to get rid of the element that is truly not Catholic, is not deciding to abide within the body of Christ with one caveat. It is not good to see souls leave the church and therefore abandon salvation and therefore put their lives, their eternal destiny at grave and harm risk. So let's pray, because this is what you and I can do. This is our job. This is our part of the equation. I can't change the church in Germany, but I can pray fast and do penance. So let's pray for these people. That through this, through this moving away, that his conscience will be pricked. And that voice will be heard. Maybe it's soft at first, but maybe through your prayer and my prayer, that he might be moved to truly come into the body of Christ and home to the Catholic faith. We'll be right back. More breaking news and stories with George Newmars coming up next. Hi, this is Walter Crawford with Homeschool Connections, a proud sponsor of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Please save the date for this year's The Catholic Homeschool Conference. It's virtual, so you can attend from the comfort of your own home or from an in-person watch party in your local community. It's Friday, June 10th and Saturday, June 11th. Our theme this year is empowering you to homeschool joyfully. May God continue to bless your homeschool journey. More information is available at catholichomeschoolconference.com. Men, it's time. Moral relativism is growing and the soul of our nation is at stake. Nowhere is it more manifestly obvious than with the daily ongoing mass murder of abortion. As leaders, protectors, and providers, we must go first. In facing reality, taking responsibility, repenting for what we've done and haven't done, and resolving to do more. The opportunity is before us on Saturday, June 11th, the weekend before Father's Day in Tallahassee, Florida. We'll be gathering at 12 p.m. and embarking on a four-mile march of prayer and sacrifice that will culminate in a 2 p.m. rally at the Florida State Capitol. We welcome all women, children, and families to join us in standing up for the personhood of the preborn at the 2 p.m. rally. We're also hoping Governor Ron DeSantis will join us and assure us that he will lead on life. Join us June 11th in Tallahassee. For more information, go to the Men's March. 
Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now, more headlines. Epic Times reports Ukraine's Azov Battalion surrenders to Russia and evacuates of Azovstal steel plant in Mariupol. Ukrainian forces began evacuating soldiers from their last stronghold in the besieged port city of Mariupol on March, uh, May 16th likely signaling the end of the Russia-Ukraine conflict that ran for 82 days and marking a significant defeat for Ukraine. Roughly 600 members of the Azov Battalion were estimated to be inside the Soviet-era Azovstal steel plant in the eastern portion of the country for weeks, including dozens of wounded, many of them without enough supplies of food and water. The Epic Times also reports Pentagon officials say no evidence that recent UFO sightings are extraterrestrial. Naval Intelligence Deputy Director Scott Bray said that the Pentagon's unidentified aerial phenomenon, otherwise known as UAP Task Force, has received some 400 reports of UAP sightings, none of which involved known evidence of extraterrestrial life. Bray made the remarks during the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence hearing, the first congressional hearing into UAPs, more commonly known as UFOs, since 1969. He said that the 144 reported unidentified aerial sightings from 2003 to 2021 has ballooned to roughly 400, attributing the spike to more people being willing to come forward since the release of the UAP task force report in June 2021. And Breitbart reports two decades after Iraq war began, China colonizes Iraq's oil fields. Reuters reported on Tuesday that Iraq's oil ministry has repelled three attempts by Chinese firms to gain control of the country's petroleum resources. Iraqi officials told Reuters they also prevented Chinese state-backed firms from buying shares in major oil fields from Exxon and BP last year. If those deals had gone through, China would have gained control of nearly half of Iraq's crude oil production. Even with these big takeover deals blocked in 2021 and 2022, China still has a strong position in Iraqi oil, having won most energy deals and contracts awarded over the past four years. President Joe Biden's disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan looks like a major inflection point as China moved quickly to grab Afghanistan's mineral resources and leaders across the region began seeing Beijing as an alternative to the declining American superpower. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Don't forget to make sure to be on our email list. I send out an email once a week and I always include some cool uh sources, resources, entertainment that you probably wouldn't otherwise come across. I try to dig up some cool stuff to send your way every single week. You can be on our email list simply by going to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. And you can find our, our sign up there for the CDT Insider email list. And uh, this week, oof, do you love a good old fashioned audio drama? I do. So who knows? You could find something cool this week in your inbox. It comes out every Thursday, you know, somewhere around noontime central. So you can find that again on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. The other way you can join our email list, it's simple, it's easy, it's quick, is just to pull out your cell phone and text the letters GRN to the number 42828. So text GRN to the number 42828. And that will also put you on the CDT Insider email list right away. And just as a way to thank you for signing up to the list, we're going to send you a talk by Father Bill Casey that he gave uh, for us um, not that long ago, really, about the state of the union of the church. And it's going to be powerful. You can do that again. Go to our website. Check it out. GRNonline.com forward slash CDT. Joining us right now by phone is George Neumeyer. He's with the American Spectator. Good morning to you, George. 
Good morning. Praise be to God. I enjoyed your your article, Abortion, the Unholy Sacrament of the Sexual Revolution. I found uh, very few people really making these links, uh, this connection between abortion and gay marriage and, and the, the defense of marriage itself. And I, I found your article to be very insightful. Tell us what that link looks like. Well, I, the point I was making is that... Um, you know, it's, it's really impossible to uh, eliminate abortion if you don't eliminate the sexual revolution because abortion exists for the sake of the sexual revolution. It's the uh, it's sort of the foundation of the sexual revolution, um, you know, because all of this uh, unrestrained sexual activity results in unborn, unwanted pregnancies. And uh, and so that uh, the, the supporters of the sexual revolution, they address that problem by resorting to abortion. So uh, my point is, is that all the celebration about the imminent collapse of Roe v. Wade is fine, but it's not going to make much of a difference uh, if we don't address the the, uh, the problems of the sexual revolution. I, I just don't think a pro-life culture and a libertine culture can coexist. Uh, as long as the sexual revolution continues, abortion is going to continue. And I think conservatives need to, need to own up to that and, and acknowledge that. And I think their analysis of this issue needs to be deeper than it, I've seen so far. Many on the left, especially pundits, did bring up this. They were very scared. They many were uh, fanning the flame and saying, "Hey, if Roe goes down, Obergefell's next." Um, but we were ha seeing silence on that very same topic on the right. Wouldn't you say? Right. Yeah. So all these yeah Republicans responded to that by saying, "Oh, well, don't worry. We're not going to touch that part of the sexual revolution. We're not going to uh, overturn uh, Obergefell." Uh, but I, I just see that as very a very shallow response, uh, and, and it's it's a very short-sighted one. I, I think you know they think that they're uh, you know securing some short-term political gain by taking that stance. But the long-term uh, problem is is that as long as the sexual revolution continues, which is typified by the embrace of gay marriage, uh, as long as that culture of sexual of sexual um, recklessness continues, abortion is going to continue. So you can't I, I think conservatives are deluding themselves if they think that a pro-life culture and a libertine culture can coexist. They can't. Um, you, you, you know, either America is going to go in the pro-life direction, in which case the sexual revolution will diminish or it will continue going in the sexual revolution direction and abortion will continue. I find it interesting because conservative I, mean, I asked the question, what are conservatives conserving anymore? I mean, I, I often feel like the, my uh, my my criticisms of Republicans and conservatives is that so long as money's in their pocket, they're ha fat and happy. But beyond that, uh, it becomes tricky at best. I mean, Donald Trump supported uh, the gay marriage issues. He, he was a very a big supporter, still remains to, so today, of LGBTQ issues. And yet it's the, it's the left that embraces wholeheartedly abortion, gay marriage, and the rest. And so many of us are caught in the middle saying we don't even know where to, to, to be anymore. It's, it's hard to decide how to vote even. What would you say, George Newmar? I uh, yeah, it, it's true that the you know what exactly are conservatives conserving? They're they're really just conserving the liberal status quo, uh, uh, both politically and culturally. You know they you know the the the, the sexual revolutionaries have made an enormous uh, advance over our culture, and I don't see any uh, evidence from the, the the right or the Republicans that they want to turn that back, except in the case of abortion, and even there it's it's kind of marginal. I don't think that. Most of these states are not going to adopt thorough pro-life laws. They're they're going to um, adopt restrictions here and there, but they're not going to uh, 
they're not the, the pro-life laws are going to be pretty limited. And and I, again, I think the reason for that is that we have a uh, a culture uh, that is very libertine and that is getting more libertine with each passing year. And in such a culture, abortion really is treated as a stopgap measure for all the um, uh, the, the irresponsible behavior that goes on in, in that culture. So I don't. I, I just. I, I think that the the Republicans are. Um, they're really just not approaching this issue in a particularly deep way. They're they're being very shallow about this, and they're thinking very delusionally. I think that. Um, you can be America can be pro-life and pro-sexual revolution at the same time, and I just don't think that's possible. Mr. Newmeyer, you know, I was just thinking while you're saying that that this is a that's a great point about the fact that this idea of we have to be conservatives is erroneous because even G.K. Chesterton, who died in 1936. He made the comment about progressivists and uh, conservatives saying that a progressivist is really good at making mistakes. And conservatives are really good at making sure those mistakes are never corrected. And I love that because I'm like, this is exactly the case. So that's why we have the joke about, oh, well, conservatives are just progressivists 10 years in the, in the past. And I find that to be very true. What do you say is something is the attitude that we as Catholics should have? I personally would not define myself as a conservative. Instead, I would say I'm a traditionalist, whether it's we're defining that in the church or in the rest of the world. It's just a, a state of being for all of society for myself. Uh, what, what say you, George Newmeyer? Yeah, well, I think, yeah, you know, if conservative just means conserving the liberal status quo, then, yeah, we shouldn't use that label. Uh, we should use a, a, a more precise label, such as traditionalist, because really what we should be aiming at as Catholics and as human beings is the restoration of the natural moral law to our politics. You know, the politics and the natural moral law have to be connected in order for us to achieve the common good. You can't uh, secure the common good without a restoration of the natural moral law to, the, to our social lives. And so, uh, but conservatism has really strayed from that. And we see that like in Pennsylvania last night, the two guys at the top of the ticket in, in um, that Senate race, Dr. Oz and um, David McCormick, they're both supporters of gay marriage. You know, so mm -hmm. if the Republican Party is just um, another socially liberal party like the Democrats that is moving at just a slightly slower speed, uh, what what really good is it? I mean, what does it matter if what, what does it matter who's at the wheel if um, both cars are going over the cliff? You know, yes. you know, maybe they're going at different speeds. You know, maybe the you know, the Democrats are going at 50 miles an hour and the, the Republicans are going at 15 miles an hour. But what does it matter if they're both headed in the same disastrous direction? We're talking with George Newmeyer about his article American, from the American Spectator, Abortion, the Unholy Sacrament of the Sex Revolution. So don't go anywhere. We have to take a short break. We'll come right back and continue this conversation. And I want to ask about what about, what about those in the church that speak out against abortion but don't speak up for marriage? That's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Kind of drive time. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Walter Crawford with Homeschool Connections, a proud sponsor of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Please save the date for this year's The Catholic Homeschool Conference. It's virtual, so you can attend from the comfort of your own home or from an in-person watch party in your local community. It's Friday, June 10th and Saturday, June 11th. Our theme this year is empowering you to homeschool joyfully. May God continue to bless your homeschool journey. More information is available at catholichomeschoolconference.com. 
Men, it's time. Moral relativism is growing and the soul of our nation is at stake. Nowhere is it more manifestly obvious than with the daily ongoing mass murder of abortion. As leaders, protectors, and providers, we must go first. In facing reality, taking responsibility, repenting for what we've done and haven't done, and resolving to do more. The opportunity is before us on Saturday, June 11th, the weekend before Father's Day, in Tallahassee, Florida. We'll be gathering at 12 p.m. and embarking on a four-mile march of prayer and sacrifice that will culminate in a 2 p.m. rally at the Florida State Capitol. We welcome all women, children, and families to join us in standing up for the personhood of the preborn at the 2 p.m. rally. We're also hoping Governor Ron DeSantis will join us and assure us that he will lead on life. Join us June 11th in Tallahassee. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. George Newmeyer is our guest. He's with the American Spectator. Here's a little quote from his article, Abortion, the Unholy Sacrament of the Sexual Revolution. Quote, A principal GOP would oppose all unconstitutional rulings, not just the ones that appear politically fragile. It would assess the rulings not on the basis of their popularity, but on the basis of their objective harm. Who cares if Obergefell is seen as a less polarizing decision than Roe? It is still an immensely damaging ratification of the sexual revolution that will doom America if it goes unchallenged. Is the GOP's moral philosophy so shallow now that it fails to recognize the importance of the traditional family to America's survival? Uh, that is from uh, George Newmar, who joins us again by phone. Good morning to you again, George. Good morning. I think that pretty much sums up your whole ar- your whole article in that one paragraph, and I find it very good. But here's the question I want to ask: What about the church? I've been saying this now for a while. I, uh, just in the last ten years, I've seen a serious uptick in the amount of homilies, uh, bishops who have spoken out against abortion and even participated in pro-life marches. They would never do that before. I've seen that go up. But what I haven't seen on the flip side of that same coin is the defense for traditional marriage. Are you seeing that? I agree with you, yeah. I mean, we've heard prominent bishops like uh, Bishop Barron say that the gay marriage fight should not even be pursued. You know, they've said, oh, oh, that's a, you know, it's a battle from the past and we can't win it and let's just give up on that. And I've heard a number of priests and bishops say, make similar comments. You know, they act like that's a, just a completely um, lost issue. But uh, <clears throat> I think that's really short-sighted, um, you know, and I, because the, the traditional family, the preservation of the traditional family is absolutely essential to the common good. And you can't, you can't really have a common good if the traditional family falls apart. And that gay marriage ruling has hastened the collapse of the traditional family. We're seeing... You know, the statistics show that the um, two-parent, you know, mother-father family is dissolving uh, with each passing year. And uh, as long as that ha- continues, uh, it's going to be impossible for America to um, uh, to be a, a really stable and civilized country. And so, yes, of course, the church should be should should not be abandoning the uh, the fight for the traditional family. It should continue to shine a light on all these uh, unconstitutional and damaging rulings uh, that have buttressed the LGBT movement. It should not give you know it, it should not surrender 
the ground in the culture war to the left on these issues uh, because these issues are absolutely essential to the to the maintenance of, of Western civilization and Christian civilization. Yes, that's very true, George. And, um, you know, there's definitely a connection there between the way that the church presents these uh, these issues, these social issues, to to the parishioners and, and forms the family, which is the cell of culture. But, you know, just to go back to what we were speaking about before the break, you know, it seems as if there's an illusion of choice between Republicans and Democrats. And four years we get, uh, you know, really awful Democratic rule, and then we get Republicans who try to correct. And it just seems as if there's a an illusion of choice there. What is a pragmatic way to to change course on the culture war? Well, I, I think really it's going to happen at the uh, the level of the family, you know, homeschooling and 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 yeah. um, you know, uh, education and and uh, the restoration of the culture, really, because politics, you know, as people say, it's downstream from culture. Mm -hmm. So if you lose the culture, you lose control over politics. So I think conservatives, in order to for them to uh, make any impact in politics, they have to reclaim the culture, and they have to restore Christianity to the culture. Uh, otherwise, you know, we're, we're, we're going to continue to see legislation that is, that is, um, de-Christianized. You know, that's what we're, what I, what I'm seeing right now is that America is headed in the direction of being a, a totally de-Christianized country that's ruled by two socially liberal parties. One that's moving at a very fast clip and the other that's moving at a slightly slower clip, but they're both moving in the same, uh, de-Christianized direction. Right. And the, so re really we have to, we have to uh, restore Christianity to the culture, and, and I think that can only happen through things like homeschooling and, and um, uh, cultural change. You know that is uh, that you know uh, in terms of um, you know Amer Americans reclaiming pop culture and so forth. I mean, you can't. Um, I just yeah. I mean, I, I think the the reason that we now are increasingly a de-Christianized country is that the the culture itself has been de-Christianized. Um, so that's that's the place to start. Mr. Newmeyer, you know, you mentioned a second ago and just now again about the fact that, you know, if, they are, if both are falling off the cliff or driving off a cliff, but one is going faster than the other, the other one is going slightly slower, then, you know, that's kind of a, an issue. And that reminds me, I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, Professor Plinio Corre de Oliveira. He's uh, the founder of the TFP, his book Revolution, Counter-Revolution. He actually talks about this idea of a, what he calls a false right, uh, a someone who appears to be a savior and we kind of like and I'm, I'm thinking of Elon Musk I'm thinking of Donald Trump I'm thinking of uh, many other people like that who seem to be good on some things but are just as revolutionary in other things and they right. kind of just it's like a two steps forward one step back and so we're, we're right. so just moving uh, the revolution down the road but at a slower pace and people are like a, a, a frog in the boiling pot. And so what, what can us, we Catholics, or we as just lay people do to try to make sure we are not falling into those malaise where we're like, oh, okay, this guy, he's doing the right thing so we can support this person because I think that we need to be doing something. We need to hold our people accountable and not just put our heads in the sand, but actually get out there and put our boots on the ground and do something, whether that be a public square rosary rallies, whether it be ru running for local offices, whether it be uh, talking to our friends and family about things and not saying, oh, we don't discuss politics at and religion in public, those kind of things. Uh, what say you, George Newmeyer? 
Yeah, well, I think yeah, we do have to we have to run sound candidates, you know, on our side that we we can't just accept these flawed, you know, candidates who are right, you know, maybe half the time, but are wrong on the most fundamental issues related to the natural moral law. So, you know, like in for example, in Pennsylvania, there was a perfectly good candidate, Kathy Barnett, who was very pro-life, uh, anti-gay marriage, you know, pro-Christian, all the pro, you know, she wants to preserve a Judeo-Christian America and so forth. She was completely trashed uh, by the establishment GOP. And even even people like Sean Hannity and Mark Levin said, oh, well, she sent out tweets critical of Islam and the homosexual movement, so she can't possibly win. <laughs> and uh, that worked. It obviously worked. You know, she she slumped at the end. You know, she was surging and then she slumped. So those attacks actually work, but she's exactly the kind of candidate Republicans should be supporting because she hasn't compromised on the natural moral law issues the way the, um, you know, the two guys, the other guys, Oz and, uh, and McCormick, they're, they're supporters of gay marriage. McCormick wrote an amicus brief in favor of uh, Obergefell in 2013. He was one of the uh, signers of that amicus brief in favor of gay marriage. So, you know, and he could end up being the, you know, the candidate there. Um, so yeah, I think we have to run, we we can't uh, accept um, these 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 compromised candidates who who don't really subscribe to the core of conservatism. The core of conservatism is the natural moral law. What distinguishes conservatism from liberalism is the natural moral law. Liberals can reject it, and true conservatives keep it. And and it's it's absolutely essential to the common good. And and I think we've lost sight of that. We we're now just fighting over sort of scraps. We're not really fighting over the most fundamental matters, the most fundamental philosophical issues in politics. We've kind of given up on those, and now we're just fighting over these little scraps, uh, all of which fall on the liberal side of things. You know, so we're the culture war. The the lines of the culture war are now drawn very very far to the left. You know, we're not even fighting over things like gay marriage anymore. We're now fighting over things like what whether transgenderism should be taught to a to a to a kindergartner. You know, like so that's now the culture war issue. But we've given up on these uh, much broader and more important matters, such as gay marriage, uh, which go to the heart of the whether or not we're going to be a, a country based on the natural moral law. You know, I've said this also for a while, but I think it bears repeating. Too many Catholics in this country in particular, but around the world, are given more to their political ideology than they are to the Catholic faith. And I say, I want to be Catholic, let the chips fall where they may. And yet that is seemingly impossible, even on the, on the right, because how many times have I been told, you have to vote for a candidate that can be elected? Uh, and even though you'd be forced into making a lot of these same compromises, how would you react to that, George Newmar? Yeah, well, I, I'm really tired of that um, uh, line of reasoning because it, you know, it, it, if winning requires ratifying the lies of the left about the natural moral law, then it then winning is meaningless. You know, it, it really doesn't matter who wins in that case, you know, because really, you're, you know, both parties are moving in the wrong direction. They're moving away from that which is essential to the common good. And so it really, you know, uh, I, I, you know, you know, Sean Hannity, who has Caitlyn Jenner, quote unquote, Caitlyn Jenner on his show and says that Caitlyn Jenner yeah. is a great Republican. Uh, he, t he, you know, he, he was saying that, Ka you know, Kathy Barnett is a bad Republican. Right. The, the truth is the exact reverse. Bruce Jenner is a bad Republican and Kathy Barnett is a good Republican because she understands that uh, America cannot survive if the traditional family collapses and we embrace a decadent culture. 
Yeah, not to mention uh, uh, what's his name there, uh, Sean Hannity left the church. I think uh, you know, didn't he leave yeah. the church a couple years ago? Yeah. I mean, just mm-hmm. let that sink in. Yeah, and, and he attacked some. He attacked a priest who defended contra- uh, the church's teaching on contraception. Yeah, yeah he's, I remember. You know, so so yeah. I mean, if we're going to be led by guys like Hannity, these these lapsed Catholics and Christians, you know, we're in real trouble. Um, and I, I just think our politics just becomes more and more meaningless, and, and victory becomes meaningless. You know, at, at best, it's you know these victories are like they're pyrrhic victories. They're not. They're partial, very partial victories, and we end up putting in power people who who ratify the lies of the left. Yeah, our Catholic faith ought to be the God. Yeah. Our yeah, Catholic the faith. Most I'm not. You know, like Trump. I mean, Trump is good on a lot of things, but he's horrible on the LGBT stuff. Yes, and uh, exactly. He, he fails to see that the. The traditional family is absolutely essential to the common good. Amen. Amen. Well said. George Newmeyer, American Spectator, thank you for your time today. We're very grateful to you. God bless you. Have a great day, sir. Oh, you too. Thanks for having me. All right. His article is Abortion, the Unholy Sacrament of the Sexual Revolution, which you can find linked up at spectator.org. You can find a whole list of uh, George's articles there. I highly encourage you to do so. But that's going to do it for for this hour. Coming up after the top of the hour break, we have good news. We have uh, Saints of the Day, Gospel of the Day, more reflection, deeper reflection for you, as well as our game show Fear and Trembling with prizes at stake. So a lot more Catholic Drive Time is headed your way. If you can join us, we would love to have you. And if not, we'll see you back here tomorrow. But you can always hang out with us on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt that's grnonline.com forward slash cdt tomorrow on the program father sam medley of the salt is going to be our guest talk about a brand new radio show god bless you. thank you for joining us on your catholic drive time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired join us monday through friday at the same time right here on your favorite catholic radio station don't forget to connect with us just go to facebook.com forward slash catholic drive time again that's facebook.com forward slash catholic drive time be sure to share more than just us today share jesus with everyone you meet bye now and god love you It's time. Moral relativism is growing and the soul of our nation is at stake. Nowhere is it more manifestly obvious than with the daily ongoing mass murder of abortion. As leaders, protectors, and providers, we must go first. In facing reality, taking responsibility, repenting for what we've done and haven't done, and resolving to do more. The opportunity is before us on Saturday, June 11th, the weekend before Father's Day in Tallahassee, Florida. We'll be gathering at 12 p.m. and embarking on a four-mile march of prayer and sacrifice that will culminate in a 2 p.m. rally at the Florida State Capitol. We welcome all women, children, and families to join us in standing up for the personhood of the preborn at the 2 p.m. rally. We're also hoping Governor Ron DeSantis will join us and assure us that he will lead on life. Join us June 11th in Tallahassee. For more information, go to the Men's Mar- from the University of Dallas and as seen on EWTN. What can I do that is the definite service that God wants me to give to the world? Think of the, the challenges that we have coming from our culture. We really need the virtue of courage. 
Are you ready to put yourself into the hazard? Are you ready to say yes to the call? Are you ready to be a witness to love? The Quest. All episodes streaming now at quest.udallas.edu. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Here at KSHJ, 1430 AM, Houston, Texas, we don't mess with the truth. We hear it, live it, and love it. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. It's going to have another great hour this hour. We have a lot in store for you. In fact, not only are we going to play our game, Fear and Trembling, at 15 past the hour, where you could possibly win prizes. It's true. It's possible. We have a very cool prize to give away this week. Uh, wonderful Rugged Rosary is up for grabs. You have to uh, be our caller at the appropriate time. You can always find the rules and the phone number on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. We'll also have an after show where we will conversate with you directly at uh, the last half of this hour, so stick around for that. But we just wrapped up a conversation with George Neumeyer uh, about his article over on uh, uh, the American Spectator, Abortion, the Unholy Sacrament of the sec- Sexual Revolution. Great conversation. If you didn't catch that, make sure to check out our podcast. Great way to do that is right on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Uh, you'll be able to see the podcast there. We're also on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or our mobile app, which you can download for free right in your app store. Just go to your app store and search for the Guadalupe Radio Network. You'll find that there. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. It's going to be a great day. It is, because Mm -hmm. we have realized there is no political solution to this. We must return to Christ. Let the faith be prime in our life. In fact, the gospel makes that very clear today. Yes. Very excited about that. Speaking of excitement, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? It is. Praise be to God. I I am excited because, you know, after listening to Mr. Julio's talk last night, which if you are in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, he's going to be speaking there tonight. And he's going to also be speaking in Washington, D.C. at the end of the month. So that's pretty awesome. So after listening to his talk, I am pumped up. I am ready to uh, get out there and promote the kingdom of God against the enemies of Holy Mother Church. So praise be to God for that. Yeah, praise be to Jesus in all things. It's going to be a great show. Uh, We did have a wonderful extended protracted conversation, Mr. Julio Laredo, yesterday. So if you did join us for that, you know what I'm talking about. But what I'm going to do 
news. I'm going to share that with you in this week's email. I have some cool stuff to send you this week. In fact, in the CDT Insider email list, I will send you not only the full protracted extended bonus conversation we had with Mr. Julio Laredo about his book, Liberation Theology, and uh, we'll do that, as well as send you a very cool entertainment of the week, some old school flashback radio drama. You're going to love it. Uh, Frank Sinatra is involved. It's good stuff. You're going to love it. So that's going to be in your inbox tomorrow. So make sure you're on our email list if you want to get access to that. And yes, I will, in fact, harass you at least once a week in the email inbox. But I promise to make it worth your time every time. So uh, make sure to sign up today. Go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT to get signed up to the insider email list today. All right, we're going to jump in. We have a great hour, as I said. Lots to cover, including the good news coming up in just a moment. And then, of course, uh, Saints of the Day and Gospel. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your good news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for listening to Catholic Drive Time. Here's another good news story to share with you. This one's from LifeSite News. Catholics in Ireland hold over 500 rosary rallies nationwide for 105th anniversary of Fatima. More and more people are looking to the Fatima message because it offers a sure remedy to the moral crisis in society. Thousands of Irish Catholics celebrate the 105th anniversary of the apparitions of Our Lady of Fatima by holding 515 public rosary rallies on May 14th. The rallies represented one of many widespread public manifestations of the Catholic faith in Ireland held in recent years. The Irish Society for Christian Civilization and its Ireland Needs Fatima campaign organized the rosary rallies as a fitting way to commemorate Our Lady's call to challenge the culture and resist the waves of sin and aberrations rocking the nation. To put the event into context, 515 rosary rallies mean nearly one million Hail Marys prayed in the public square. Just about every nook and cranny of Ireland was reached. These rallies are 515 more reasons for the devil to shake in his shackles in fear of Our Lady. One person described it as a tsunami of graces for Ireland. And I really think it was, said Rosary Rally Captain George Murphy. I'm sure that God will bless Ireland despite the nation's sins and shortcomings after having so many rosary rallies in honor of his mother. You can see the joy and happiness in the faces of the attendees, he added. You also have to remember that this was the first time many of these people publicly expressed their faith. It's a great honor for me to be a rosary rally captain for Our Lady of Fatima, commented one rally captain. It's lovely to pray privately, but we need more public prayer to let them see that religion and God and faith won't be stamped off the face of the earth. In Ireland, we will shout from the gallows, Ireland belongs to God and Our Lady. When you called on the phone, I asked Our Lady, why did you pick me? I'm not worthy of this, one devout man reported. Then I thought, Our Lady is calling us to do stuff like this. This is the first time I have ever done anything like this, but I really felt called to do it. More and more people are looking to the Fatima message because it offers a sure remedy to the moral crisis in society. Gregory Murphy, uh, George Murphy continued rather, in other words, Prayer, penance, and conversion are the answer to a world that has abandoned God. 
And that's really good news. God love you. Rudy, did you say his name was Gregory Murphy? Yes. That actually, I think, th guy? I think that's actually the guy who made my rosary when I went to the Dominicans. Nice. Very cool. Anyway, the saint of the day is not Gregory Murphy, but maybe one day, hopefully, is St. Eric the Ninth of Sweden is the saint of the day. St. Eric the Ninth of Sweden, or Eric the Holy, or Eric the Saint, was acknowledged king in most provinces of Sweden in 1150, and his family line subsisted for a hundred years. He did much to establish Christianity in Upper Sweden and built or completed in Old Uppsala, the first large church to be erected in the country. It is said that all the ancient laws and constitutions of the kingdom were by his order collected into one volume, which came to be known as King Eric's Law, or the Code of Uppland. The king soon had to take up arms against the heathen Finns, and he vanquished them in battle, and at his desire, St. Henry, the Bishop of Uppsala, who had accompanied him on the expedition, remained in Finland to evangelize the people. The king's zeal for the Catholic faith was far from pleasing to his nobles, and we were told that they entered into a conspiracy against him with Magnus, the son of the king of Denmark. Hmm, something rotten in the, in the kingdom of Denmark. King Eric was hearing mass on the day after the Feast of the Ascension when news was brought that a Danish army, swollen with Swedish rebels, was marching against him and was close at hand. With unwavering calm, he answered, Let us at least finish the sacrifice. The rest of the feast I shall keep elsewhere. After Mass was over, he recommended his soul to God and marched forth in advance of his guards. The conspirators rushed upon him, beat him down from his horse, and beheaded him. His death occurred on May 18, 1161. The relics of St. Eric IX of Sweden are preserved in the Cathedral of Uppsala, and the saintly king's effigy appears on the coat of arms of the city of Stockholm. St. Eric IX of Sweden, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. Jesus said to his disciples, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He takes away every branch in me that does not bear fruit, and every one that does he prunes so that it bears more fruit. You are already pruned because of the word that I spoke to you. Remain in me as I remain in you, just as a branch cannot bear fruit on its own unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever remains in me, and I in him, will bear much fruit, because without me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me will be thrown out like a branch and wither. People will gather them up and throw them into the fire, and they will be burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, Ask for whatever you want, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and become my disciples. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Hadock's commentary, quoting Calmet, said, It is the glory of the husbandman to see his vine well cultivated and laden with fruit. And it is the glory of God, my Father, to see you filled with faith, 
charity, and good works, and to behold you usefully employed in the conversion of others. Then will men, seeing your good works and the fruit of your preaching among all the nations, glorify your heavenly Father as the author of these blessings. Close quote. Calnet and Hadock's commentary. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, uh, a lot of good things from Cornelius Alapide, but I'll focus on one thing and one thing only because Alphonse Liguori talks about the fact that if you meditate daily on one of the four last things, that's death, judgment, heaven, and hell, if you, if you meditate upon one of those things every single day of your life, that you will stay away from sin and you can enter into the kingdom of heaven. Not because just by meditating on it does this some kind of magical thing that gets you into heaven, but because by meditating upon this, on the last ends of our life, the potential ends of our life, we will desire to want to do good and avoid evil. So Cornelius Alapide, talking about this passage, says that if anyone abide not in me, that is, just as the unprofitable branch is cut off from the vine and cast outside the vineyard where it altogether dries up and is gathered into bundles and cast into the fire and straightway burned, so in like manner the Christian who does not abide in me by faith and charity, notice faith and and charity, not faith alone, and not charity alone. So if you just believe, you can't get into heaven. And if you're just a nice person, you can't get into heaven. You have to have faith and charity. Shall after death be cast out of doors, be separated from the church of the faithful who are members of Christ. And then he shall wholly be withered shall be deprived of all the good sap of grace, and shall be gathered by the devils with the rest of the reprobate, that he may be cast into the fire of hell there to burn everlastingly. Now every word expresses a punishment, they must therefore be considered separately. The first punishment, he shall be cast out of the doors, from Christ, from God in heaven, from the company of the angels and saints. The second, he shall wither, for in the life, sinners often retain faith and hope, often feel the illumination of grace and divine impulses to repentance, and often warned by preachers and others to amend their lives. And they often do works morally good, for they remain in Christ as the vine, and do drink from him some of the sap of goodness. But after this life, being cut off from Christ, they cannot deprive any, derive any sap of grace, but all God's gifts will be taken away from them, so that they are fit for nothing but to become the fuel of hell. The third is that they shall gather them, that, but this, by this it is meant that the reprobate are to be gathered together into bundles, that they may be thrown into the fire from which they will never be able to deliver themselves according to the parable. At the same time, it is signified that their reason will be bound and their freedom of will taken away so that henceforth they will not be able either to do to will or to do any good thing. This is another important point about the everlasting nature of it. Fourthly, they shall cast them into the fire, namely into hell, burning with fire and brimstone, where the smoke of their torment goeth up forever and ever. And fifthly, and finally, shall burn, shall immediately begin to burn everlastingly. This ends the third reason by Christ, by which he exhorts him to his disciples to abide in him. The fourth deprived from the reward come next. So then he talks about the reward, but I would just focus there on the meditation on hell. If you want to read about his meditation on heaven, I would recommend checking out Cornelius Lapide's commentary. But this is so important. If we do not abide in Christ, if we do not have Christ as our last end, if we do not fight for Christ and as king, not just king over our hearts, but king over our nation, king over all of society, 
then we are allowing people to fall away. We are not having him promoted in every corner of the earth. We're not having him promoted in our churches and our governments. And because of this, people fall away. People are falling into hell where there'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Think about this today. If you think about souls going to hell and your own soul going to hell, this will encourage you and should encourage you for one, to fight to get to heaven and to two fight for others to get to heaven and i want that to be the thing that we meditate upon today let us fight for our salvation and for the salvation of others all right praise be to god it is time to play our game show fear and trembling where prizes are at stake and we're going to go to a break we're going to come right back and it's going to be a good time that phone number is 877-757-9424 first caller gets to be the contestant at 877-757-9424 fear and trembling is up next it's going to be a good time praise be to god you're going to learn something about your catholic faith and i'm looking at the questions right now and i gotta say it's going to be fun it's going to be fun all that's coming up next don't go anywhere we'll be right back Are there any basic rules for doing apologetics? 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense. Always be prepared, Scripture tells us. How can we always be prepared to make a defense of our faith? Rule number one, pray. Pray to the Holy Spirit that He give you the courage to share your faith and the wisdom to choose your words carefully and profitably. Rule number two, you don't have to know everything right now. Learn a little bit more about your faith each and every day. Read Scripture. Read the Catechism. Listen to Apologetics tapes. Listen to Catholic Radio. Learn a little bit at a time. Rule number three, Luke 5, verse 10. Do not be afraid. Henceforth, you will be catching men. Jesus said this to Peter, but he's also saying it to us. Will you make mistakes and get into tight spots when you start sharing your faith with others? Yes, of course you will. But Peter made mistakes, and he got into tight spots. Yet Jesus told Peter not to be afraid. Why? Because if we are sincere in our desire to share the truth with others, to share Jesus Christ with others, then Jesus will find a way to make good come from even our mistakes. Rule number four, always view a question about your faith or even an attack on your faith as an opportunity, an opportunity to share the truth. Rule number five, don't get frustrated. Catholics often get frustrated by what I call the doctrinal dance. You get asked about purgatory, Mary, the Pope, sacraments, all in rapid fire succession. Before you can answer one question, you're asked another, then another. Just keep bringing the discussion back to one topic until you've said all you want to say, then move on. Rule number six, never be afraid to say, I don't know, when asked a question about your faith. Don't try to wing it. However, always follow I don't know with, but I will find out and get back to you, and make sure you do. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host... Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show with secrets and agendas. So please do me a favor and tell nobody about our secrets or our agendas. 
what I'm about to tell you. All right? That's the deal. You can't share it. you got to keep it just between us. But number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something about the Catholic faith that you did not know before. Praise be to God. And then, of course, number two, we like to have a laugh. We like to joke and have a good time. And our callers are absolutely the best at that. We enjoy that a lot. And then, of course, number three, we give out prizes, which makes this a winner for everybody involved. But if you're new here, let me explain. I do have three Catholic trivia questions sitting in front of me. But uh, the kicker is I will not be asking the caller the questions, so they don't even need to know. They may not know a single correct answer and could still win the game. And that is because instead of asking them, I will ask Rudy and I will ask Adrian, one of which will be correct, the other will be incorrect. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision whomst do they trust more rudy or adrian and every correct answer will go into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize rudy what could they win praise be to god may is the month of mary so to continue spreading the word of the greatest spiritual weapon we have we're giving away another beautiful rosary made by rugged rosaries i'm holding it in my hand if you're listening i'll describe it to you it's a Beautiful serpentine color, but if you're viewing on our live stream, you can see how wonderful it is. It has a, a beautiful corpus with a, a St. Benedict medal on it. And this one was donated by a generous CDT listener. So the winner of this week's prize, this win the winner of this week's game show, will receive this Our Lady of Guadalupe rosary so they can pray the rosary every single day. Thank you for this generous gift, generous benefactor. And if you'd like to be a benefactor also, shoot us an email and let us know. You can email me at rudy at grnonline.com. Thank you. All right. Praise be to God. Thank you very much for giving us a gift to give away this week. We're, we're so very grateful to you. All right. Let's go to the phone. Skyland, our friend from Midland. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. Good morning. Skyland, has it been at least a month since we've uh, played this game? I believe so. All right. Praise be to God. Are you are up early uh, baking the goods in uh, Tony's today? Not sick anymore. Yeah. What, what's uh, what's on the menu today? Anything really tasty? We have a bunch of sandwiches, and we have kolaches. Mm. Like, yeah. And, now, and we also have coffee cakes. Coffee Ooh. cakes. Now, we haven't yet received... Right Adrian, have you got the samples yet? I haven't seen the, the <laughs> samples. Uh, I'm not no. saying I'm hiding them from you guys. Oh, Adrian, I'm not saying that. Oh, they so they I've, might have arrived. I'm, I can neither defirm what nor is that deny on your that. Chin right there, uh, you know, I don't even like coffee. No, <clears throat> but the cakes you don't but mind. The cakes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> now, where is Tony's located again, Skyland? Midland, Texas. Where in Midland, Texas? I know it's like a sprawling, you know, metroplex. So, is it like you? Is it like downtown area? Where is it? Eleven oh eight North Big Spring. If you want the address. All right. Praise be to God. Well, next time I'm in Midland, I'm stopping by, nice. and uh, we're gonna get the good Midland, be, the place where you're gonna, gonna see your dog run away from you for four days. <laughs> for four <full> days. <laughs> All right, Skyland. I know you know how to play the game. Are you ready? Yes, I am. Praise be to God. We will start with Rudy, as is our custom. Our tradition, our patrimony. Do you hear that? Hmm. Our loving fans. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, here's for Team Rudy. Good hey. morning, Rudy. Are you ready? Good morning. I am so ready today. Are you sure? I'm ready. Red tie. Red tie. I couldn't even go to sleep last night. I'm so ready. A little Team Rudy red tie warning there. All right, hmm. Rudy. Can you tell what me? What did it mean? Speaking of burning things from the gospel today. Hmm. Here's a question. What is burned to produce the ashes used on Ash Wednesday. 
Yeah, they uh, cut off your palms. Just kidding. They, <laughs> they, they do burn palms, though. Not but palm fronds. Palm fronds. From. Got it. From. Uh huh. Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. Oh, I see. Okay, so not my hands. Not your hands. Got it. Palms, you say. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's uh, let's get a second opinion on this. Hey, Adrian. Hey, Joe. Good morning. Good morning. Can you tell me what is burned? Mm-hmm. To produce the ashes used on Ash Wednesday? Well, I just want to say for one, I'm glad it's not my hands. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was concerned yeah. there for a second. Okay. I was a little concerned. Like, but, why is the priest looking at my hands like that? I, that's what I'm Stop saying. It. That's what I'm saying. That guy so, has big hands. But what we here. do use, we don't use our hands, but what we uh-huh. do use as the ashes is yeah. whenever we burn up the pyres and yeah. we throw the witches on them, it's the witches' what? ashes. Are you serious? Nice. Seriously. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, mind blown. Didn't Mad know. facts. Okay. Well, Skylar, you got choices. Is it the ashes of burning witches, apparently, as your brother uh, Rudy seems to think? No. Nope. Adrian. Adrian. Or Adrian. Adrian. <laughs> That's Adrian's opinion. Rudy said it was palms. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who is wrong? Who's confused? Skylar, what say you? I'm going to have to go with Rudy. Just have to, right? I mean, like, what choice? She, she obviously have. wants to go with Adrian. Just. Just. But she has to go through. <laughs> well played, Skyland. Well played. Masterful in your presentation. Praise be to God. Well, congratulations, you're in the cup. It is, in fact, palms and not the ashes of witches. Hmm. According well, there you go, folks. To Adrian. All right, you're in. Now, this next question I find very cool. It is definitely something you're going to use at the next social gathering, party, Christmas party gathering, whatever. Kind of a big deal. It's, yeah, it's super cool. Are we going to go to Adrian first for this? That's my name. Adrian. Got my name tag. I am so glad right we here. have established your name. Someday I, re- I promise to memorize it. Thank you. But in the meantime, speaking of names, can you give me a name of a man who has been mentioned mm-hmm. 771 times mm. in the Old Testament? Mm. By man, you mean like a human, right? Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. It's 771, not 772. Yes, please. Not 770. Correct. Okay. Okay. Just making sure it's mm-hmm. clear. Yes. Oh, yeah, that was that, another guy. That was a different guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be Moses. He was mentioned 771 times. Moses. 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 Yeah. Like the guy with that. the cane. Got it. Okay. All right. Split the Red Sea. I remember. Charles did a couple things. Great show. All right. Well, let's just see what Rudy says. Rudy, can you tell me? Uh, can you give me the name of a man who has been mentioned 771 times in the Old Testament? Yes, it's translation error. It's not actually a man, but a human, and a that human. was Martha. Martha, Martha, Martha. Martha! Martha? Yeah, Martha. Wow. Like from Batman she's, Superman? She's mentioned a lot of times. Really? Yep. 771. She was sitting at the feet of Christ. Yep. Interesting. Okay. Well, Skyland, I know you're a biblical expert, so this should be easy for you, but who was mentioned 771 times in the Old Testament? Is it Martha, as Rudy seems to suggest? Or is it Moses, as Adrian said? 15 seconds on the clock. Who was right? Who was wrong? Skylin, what say you? I'm going to go with Adrian. I'm, you see, you hear that? She, she's I, a master. Utter confidence. Just like, I have no other choice. I am compelled. I can't choose otherwise. But I would if I could. Adrian Fonseca. That was with enthusiasm. That was, that was uh, with dynamic enthusiasm. I, I heard the enthusiasm. Yeah, it was it was truly wonderful. <laughs> Congratulations, Skylar. Now that was easy, right, Skylar? That wasn't tricky. Master Baker has raised her well. Yeah, praise be to God. <laughs> well, has. well played, well played. All right, 
The next question I'm going to say is easily the easiest question of today. You ready? Yes, I am. Let's do this. We're going to go to to Rudy. Now, Rudy is an, I don't know if you know this, but Rudy is an expert, world-renowned, I would say, expert on all things Irish. It's true. Wow. Okay. So let that sink in. Do you speak Ireland? Do you, do you speak the Irish? <laughs> you mean Gaelic? Uh, sure. Chucky Arla? Uh-huh. Rudy, can you tell me, a shamrock was used by St. Patrick to represent what mystery of our faith? All right, close your eyes. Okay. And envision Don't, Ireland. What if people are driving? Should they be closing their eyes? Yes, absolutely. If they're driving? Yeah, they're in Teslas, of course. Oh, Everybody has oh, a Tesla, right? If they're in a Tesla. Duh, I mean, self-driving. Whatever. Anyway, okay. close your eyes. Imagine uh-huh. the island of Ireland. And it's split into three kingdoms. So, yeah. St. Right. Patrick, he rips off a shamrock and he says, check it out. This is like... This is like the Republic of Ireland, is Republic and you Ireland. all have to be one, mm-hmm. like the Holy mm-hmm. Trinity. Does he include Northern Ireland in that conversation, or does he just well, automatically at the time, exclude them? You know, it, what didn't they didn't have Northern Ireland? Yeah, but he knew it's coming. It wasn't coming. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay, so you're saying it's a representation of of Ireland itself. Yes. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Let's see what uh, Adrian says. Adrian, can you tell me a shamrock was used by Saint Patrick to represent what mystery of the faith? Yes, that would be the Trinity. Easy. The easy Trinity. peasy. You're not going to go straight at all. up. Trinity, not on hard. On the nose. Not hard. Trinity. Easy peasy. You don't want to add to that? Nope. Okay. What's he talking about? Skyland, is it the Trinity, as Adrian says, or is it the country of Ireland, as Rudy says? 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Skyland, what say you? I'm going to talk to you about Adrian once more. Just ask it. Wow. Perfect score. Congratulations, Skyland. Perfect score. Perfect score. Almost as perfect as your coffee cakes there at Tony's in Midland. Almost. But not too far off. Presumably. Presumably. Because we haven't tasted them. God bless you, Skyland. Congratulations. You're in for three. Thanks for being uh, part of our game show and having a laugh with us today and hanging out with us in the CDT Insider Chat. We're going to put you on hold, but have a great day. God bless you guys. Hang out with us if you can in our chat. We'd love to chat and catch up with you at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. John I, Pope and Martyr. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. 
Alleluia, Alleluia, give thanks to the risen Lord. Alleluia, Alleluia, give praise to his name. Spread the good news o'er all the earth. Jesus has died and has risen. Alleluia, Alleluia, give thanks to the risen Lord. Alleluia, Alleluia, give praise to his name. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to, to Almighty God, God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God in mercy on us forgive us our sins and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. O God, who rewards faithful souls, and who have consecrated this day by the martyrdom of Pope St. John I, graciously hear the prayers of your people, and grant that we who venerate his merits may imitate his constancy in the faith, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Some who had come down from Judea were instructing the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the Mosaic practice, you cannot be saved. Because there arose no little dissension and debate by Paul and Barnabas with them, it was decided that Paul, Barnabas, and some of the others should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and presbyters about this question. They were sent on their journey by the church and passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, telling of the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brethren. <clears throat> when they arrived in Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church as well as by the apostles and the presbyters, and they reported what God had done with them. But some from the party of the Pharisees who had become believers stood up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and direct them to observe the Mosaic law. The apostles and the presbyters met together to see about this matter. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. I rejoiced because they said to me, 
we will go up to the house of the Lord. And now we have set foot within your gates, O Jerusalem. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. Jerusalem, built as a city with compact unity, to it the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. According to the decree for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. In it are set up judgment seats, seats for the house of David. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. Remain in me as I remain in you, says the Lord. Whoever remains in me will bear much fruit. Alleluia. 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 The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He takes away every branch in me that does not bear fruit, and every one that does he prunes, so that it bears more fruit. You are already pruned because of the word that I spoke to you. Remain in me as I remain in you, just as a branch cannot bear fruit on its own unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit, because without me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me will be thrown out like a branch and wither. People will gather them and throw them into a fire, and they will be burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you want, and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. One out of every two couples who practice contraception end in divorce, whether they are Catholic or not. If the, the act of contraception is fundamentally an act which closes you off to the life of the other person and also the life of God. It is a mortal sin, a marriage killer. Believe it or not, this is how I start marriage prep. It's real exciting after that. Uh, but immediately I point out that 6 out of 10,000 couples, 99.94% of all couples who practice natural family planning according to the mind of Christ, according to the mind of chur the church, 99.94% uh, uh, do not divorce. It's a staggering, staggering uh, statistic. And why is that? It's because the, the husband and wife, well, the husband fundamentally has a posture of openness towards his wife, asking the question, what is going on in you? Now, I, I occasionally run into a couple that 
says, oh no, that our, our, our family can never practice natural family planning because we are au natural. We, we, are, we would never have that in, in, our, in our family. We're open to life. And I just remind them, of, first of all, the statistic. Uh, second of all, that six months into it, there's always a conversion. Six months into charting uh, a woman's cycle, there's a conversion because the creator mapped out within her body that not every encounter is fruitful. A woman is fertile only five to ten days of the month. That means he intended that it wouldn't bear fruit most of the time. That's his intention written into the fabric of the woman's body. Secondly, the fact that you are aware of this makes you responsible for that cycle. Very much the way uh, of, of husbandry of the soil, the soil of human life, if it bears fruit, being fruitful as Christ's disciples. I say that because the first reading talks about being holy and mistaking some kind of teaching for, I'm really following Jesus because I'm doing this, this, and this. Uh, and it's a lot of times you get it, you, it's off. And you claim that you're doing something out of holiness, but you're actually obstructing uh, God. And the, the truth is, like, the, the whole purpose of Pope John Paul's Theology of the Body was to point out this truth of being open to life means that you have to be aware of your own body and you have to be a good steward of it. Um, the other thing that's, that's very, very profound is that for, for being fruitful, uh, fertile, bearing much fruit, one out of five couples who practice um, in vitro fertilization actually conceive. Four out of five couples, exactly the opposite, 80% of couples who try to conceive using natural family planning do so. And it's free, and it's not gravely immoral like in vitro fertilization. So, you know, if it, you don't know if you're going to be fertile or not. You don't know if it's a skill you need to have. So I, I just told them flat out a, a couple recently, I'm not going to marry you if you, do, if you don't do this because this is part of my stewardship before God is I have to give you this gift that can make you fertile but also help you become fertile, but also that is a stewardship of your own body and your own, your own marital life. And uh, this is the teaching of Jesus, that you bear much fruit. The other thing that, that should be said to couples is that you, by nature of the fact of having one more life in your family, one more baby, you actually increase the capacity for holiness and happiness in the family. And therefore, with each new child, you have an increase in capacity for love, an increase in capacity for holiness. I said capacity. It's not automatic. It just doesn't add up that automatically if you have more babies, you're going to be happier. But a lot of times you walk into a, a, ho a house full of, of kids and there's a certain kind of fullness there. There's a certain kind of uh, symphony of life that is not present when it's, there's not so much life there. And this something is something that has to be said to young couples. Um, I, I, all this happened uh, about an hour and a half ago. I had a, and it wasn't a nightmare, but it was this pretty scary dream about Bridezilla. I was at a wedding and uh, it was rather monstrous. You wonder what disturbs priests sleep at night. That's, that's what it was. <laughs> but the truth is, uh, the truth is that we, we have to be uh, open to life but we should also not mistake something that we're doing that 
ultimately brings forth holiness. And, and anybody who kind of uh, has a problem with these kind of teachings of Jesus about contraception or anything, any other sexual ethics questions, same-sex attraction or, or transgender dysphoria, I always do the same thing. Say, you have to have a talk with him about it. I didn't make the woman's body or her cycle. The creator did. And if you have a problem with his teachings about this, you need to have a conversation with him about his teachings because I'm not presenting to you my own idea. It's not my own uh, theory or my own opinion. I'm giving you the teaching of Jesus, and he is the one that has to lead you. And this is a very beautiful thing that you can do with a lot of tense conversations you have around this topic is to focus it on Christ. Don't make it uh, a political thing um, or don't even moralize it, you know, uh, make it a, a moral thing like you're some kind of moral police officer. Christianize it. Make it about talking to Jesus and get people talking to him. Because if you do talk to him and have that awkward, frank conversation about Jesus in your body, you will eventually become open to his teachings. The other thing that will happen is you won't mistake lesser teachings or human uh, things for divine. And this is uh, also what happened with the martyr for today, Pope St. John I. He was killed because of liturgical uh, calendar that he had, he had uh, he'd presided over a council and the king actually killed him because he disagreed about liturgical seasons. I mean, you know, you're, you're getting martyred about something a lot lesser because people are holding on to their ideas so sharply enough to kill another, kill a pope over it. Um, you know, you have to be very, very careful the, the opinions that you hold fast to because if they're not Christ, if you're not representing Jesus Christ, you actually might be persecuting him. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church that it may shine forth the face of Jesus Christ to the nations. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our Holy Father, O bishops and priests. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For government leaders, for an end to contraceptive mentality, an end to abortion, same-sex unions, and gender confusion. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for all of our beloved dead. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Eternal and blessed Father, we ask you to hear us, for we make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ, and through the powerful intercession of our blessed Mother Mary's, we pray. Hail Amen. Mary, full, full of grace, grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed, blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. At the Lamb's high feast we sing Praise to our victorious King Who has washed us in the tide Flowing from his wounded side Praise the Lord whose love divine Gives his sacred blood for wine Gives his body for the feast Christ the victim, Christ the priest. 
Where the Paschal blood is poured, Death's dark angel sheaths his sword. Israel's hosts in triumph go, Through the waves that drown the foe. Christ the Lamb whose blood was shed, Paschal victim, Paschal bread, Let us with a fervent love Taste the manna from above. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Receive, we pray, O Lord, the sacrifice of conciliation and praise, which we offer to your majesty in commemoration of the blessed martyr, Pope St. John. May it lead us to obtain pardon and confirm us in perpetual thanksgiving through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere, to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for the blood of your blessed martyr, Pope St. John the First, poured out like Christ to glorify your name, shows forth your marvelous works, by which in our weakness you perfect your power, and on the feeble bestow strength to bear you witness to Christ our Lord. And so with the powers of heaven, we worship you constantly on earth, and before your majesty without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Pleni Suncheli et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, ascending down your spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and giving thanks broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take this all of you and eat of it for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. 
Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy in us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, Blessed Joseph, her spouse, the Blessed Apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be coerced to eternal life, may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Row him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Proceptus salutaribus moniti et divini institutioni formati, audehimus dicere. Pater noster, qui es in celis, Sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra. Panem nostrum quotidianum, da nobis hodie, et dimite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos imitimus, Debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed liberanos amahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant your peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Our new stay. We tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed.
an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you are already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. O precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his holy ones. Alleluia. Jesus, my Lord, my God, my all, how can I love Thee as I ought? And how revere this wondrous gift, so far surpassing hope or thought? Sweet sacrament, we thee adore. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Had I but Mary's sinless heart, with which to love the dearest King. Oh, with what bursts of fervent praise Thy goodness, Jesus, would I sing. Sweet sacrament, we thee adore, Oh, make us love thee more and more. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Thy body, soul, and Godhead all, Oh, mystery of love divine. I cannot compass all I have, for all thou hast and art is mine. Sweet sacrament we thee adore, oh, make us love thee more and more. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Let us pray. We have received your heavenly gifts, rejoicing at this feast day, O Lord. Grant, we pray, that we, who in this divine banquet proclaim the death of your Son, may merit to be partakers with the holy martyrs in his resurrection and in his glory, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with, with your Lord. spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Regina Celi, Laetare, Alleluia. Quia Meruisti Porta. The prayer to St. Michael. 
Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. This is Dr. Ken Buckle from Grazia Plain.